broken, it was to be reported in the ship's log. His next glance was to the chronograph, hanging on the back wall above a chart table, so he could record the time of this strange phenomenon. To his dismay, the two hands pointed straight down. Not like it was 6.30, where the shorter hand would rest halfway to the Roman numeral 7, but straight down. He crossed to it to check the mechanism and accidentally dislodged its metal winding key. As if snatched by a force greater than gravity, the key dropped to the deck like it had been hurled at great speed. The key didn't bounce but seemed to adhere itself to the metal deck. He stooped to retrieve it but couldn't even wedge a fingernail between the key and the deck. He again looked to the west but the cobalt light cut visibility to just a few dozen yards. He did notice that the sea around the ship was so still it appeared solid, as though it had frozen as smooth as a skating rink, only it remained as black as anthracite coal. A few crewmen down on the main deck spotted Urquhart's silhouette in the bridge-wing door. One cupped a hand to his mouth and called, "'What's all this, Captain?' The voice reached him like the man had yelled from the bottom of a well. Other men appeared, and Urquhart could sense their nervous apprehension. He knew sailors were a superstitious lot. Each one of them carried talismans of various kinds, miniature dream catchers, rabbit's feet, and lucky marbles. He'd once served with a fellow who kept a small jar of alcohol in his pocket with the preserved remains of his severed pinky finger— He claimed losing the digit proved it was lucky. Urquhart had never pressed for the details of exactly why that was. In order to get their minds off the strangeness of the situation, he pointed to some loose chains left haphazardly on the Mohican's forward hatch cover. "'Stow that chain properly,' Urquhart said in his most commanding voice, "'or there'll be hell to pay.' The four men moved from the rail at double speed, as eager to have something to do as the veteran ship's master had suspected. But like his experience with the key, the brawny seaman could not move so much as a link of the chain. Had someone welded the entire mass of rusted steel to the hatch, he couldn't have done a better job of adhering the chain to the ship. It was just occurring to Urquhart that his ship had turned into a giant magnet, when he heard the scream, an unworldly peal of anguish that keened higher and higher without let-up. The noise galvanized him because he recognized the voice despite the agony tearing through it, and he knew what was happening to the man. The chief engineer, a Scotsman, had his cabin down the hallway from Urquhart's own. Urquhart reached McTaggart's door and burst through it only seconds after hearing him scream. In the beam of the brass hurricane lantern Urquhart had snatched from the second mate, he saw the shirtless Scott atop his bed with a look of terror etched upon his face. He was pawing at his chest, or more precisely, at the big scar that bisected his left pectoral muscle. The scar was a souvenir of a boiler explosion some twenty years back, and behind it, as McTaggart liked to brag, was a piece of pot metal the ship's cook, who'd stitched him up at the time, had been unable to remove. "'Flip over, Connor!' Urquhart shouted, but knew 
he was too late. A fresh scream exploded from the engineer, a sound so sharp and so full of pain that Urquhart winced, and then a sputter of blood bubbled from Connor McTaggart's lips. The two men's eyes locked, and a silent message passed between them. Goodbye, it said. The sputter turned into a continuous gout of rich arterial blood as the shard of metal lodged in his chest tore through his heart and lungs as it was drawn inexorably deckward by the powerful magnetic forces at play. The pain that had transformed his face into an ugly mask had passed, and the crimson stain running from chin to chest was the only testament to the man's last horrifying seconds. A moment later came a wet, sucking sound, then the metallic ting of the chunk of shrapnel hitting the deck.